Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Genesis chapter 6. I'm going to try to put forth language to what I believe the Lord is, um, is saying. And I want to say that when I make statements to rouse us up, I'm not getting in, in, on to anybody. I'm just trying to contend for what I believe I'm hearing from the Lord. And about three months ago, I got a text from a guy that I hadn't talked to in almost a year in the Marietta area. And he texted me. And he said, there's a war. And he had to hear this from the Lord because he has no connection uh, with nobody in this building but me and one other person. And he said, there's a war going on over for the well that's in that house. God's telling you to contend for that well. How many knows that there is a well in this house? And we must contend to keep it that. You with me now? And that we'll never be ashamed for going after the presence of the Lord. Come on, church. I said I'll never be ashamed for it. Regardless of what it looks like on the camera, regardless of what the naysayers say, I will never be ashamed of that. I will never be ashamed to prophesy. I will never be ashamed to speak in tongues. I will never be ashamed to cast out devils. I will never be ashamed to go after the healing of cancer. I will never be ashamed to go after the healing of the dead. If it's in the New Testament, it is legal, friend. If it's in the Bible, I said it is legal. And Jesus, when he sent them out in Matthew 10, he said, go lay hands upon the sick. Go heal the sick in the same context. He said, preach the gospel. The same anointing and glory that enables us to preach this glorious gospel is the same anointing and the same glory that enables us to heal the sick. I will never be ashamed of it. My only plans is to look more crazier in the days ahead than what we do now. My only plans is to have more flags waving in the days ahead than what we do now. My only plans is to have more dancers in the house than what we do now. My only plans is to have worship a little longer than we do now. So make no mistake about it. We're not living behind the closet. We're telling you exactly what we're building in this place. We are after Yahweh in his presence. We are after the king and his kingdom. Come on, somebody. That's the only thing I care about. That's the only thing I'm on the earth for is for the king and his kingdom. And make no mistake about it. We will never bow our knee to the religious spirit because once you bow your knee unto God, you don't have to bow your knee unto man. Make no mistake about it. This is what we're here for. This is the reason we're here. We serve hell notice and the religious spirit notice. We are here and the king of glory is here. My God, what an opening monologue. Boy, I feel God in this place. Lord, I feel you in this place. Oh, God. All right. I'm going to tip to preach. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Genesis 6, you there? In verse 1, I'm reading out the Passion Translation. He said, when the people began to populate the earth, 
They had many lovely daughters, divine beings found them very appealing. So they took women and they, they wanted as their wives. Yahweh said, my spirit will not always strive with humanity. Definitely. For they are moral. They are mortal. Their lifespan will be shortened to one, to only 120 years. God said the number of man is 120 years. That's what you should be contending for over your life. Come on, y'all. I just want to tell you, as we move forth in the kingdom, we're going to live longer and longer. I propose to you that a 99-year-old man cannot produce a child. But a 50-year-old man can. And so when Abraham was 75 years old, when he met Melchizedek and began to take the bread of life and communion, he didn't start aging, but he started declining. Come on, somebody. He tapped into the fountain of youth. Man's 120 years. Back then and later, there were giants on the earth who were born as a resort of the unholy union of heavenly beings. With the human daughter, with human daughters, that were the mighty ones of old warriors of renown. We got giants on the earth today as a result of unholy communions. But Yahweh said, "How extremely wicked!" But he saw how extremely wicked humanity had become, for they imagined only evil. For all they thought about was doing evil all the time, and Yahweh was saddened that he had made humanity, and his heart was filled with pain. So Yahweh decided I will do away with my, my ruined creation, human beings that I, create, that, that I created, people and animals, creeping things and flying birds, for it breaks my heart that I made them. But one man, look at your neighbor and say one man. Didn't say a whole church. Didn't say a region. Didn't say a nation. It said one man. Look at this found grace in the sight of Yahweh, Noah. This is the story of Noah. Noah was a godly man of integrity without fault in his generation, and he lived close to God. That's the goal of every believer in this room is to live close to God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. Injustice and violence filled the world. And the earth was ruined in the sight of God. For he saw how debased the world had become, for everyone was corrupt to the core. So God said to Noah, I've decided that all living creatures must die, for the violence had filled the earth, and I will wipe them off the face of the earth. Build a boat for yourself, an ark. Look at your neighbor and say, build an ark. Come on, somebody. Of sturdy timber, and this is how you're designing it. Make it separate compartments within it and seal it inside out with thick tar. That word tar right there in the Hebrew literally goes to a word that means atonement. Come on, the ark is a picture of Jesus. The wood is humanity. Come on somebody, it's the humanity of Jesus. The outer covering is the deity of Jesus and it's covered and held together by the tar which is the atonement, the blood, how you and I are held and sealed to the day of redemption by the blood of Jesus. It had three parts to the ark with a window at the very top. He is the way 
way, the truth, and the life. God is prophesying in the Old Testament there's coming an ark that will save humanity from the wickedness. Come on, somebody. And the things that are on the earth, his name is Jesus. It's not Washington, D.C. It's not the Republican Party, and it's not the Democratic Party. The answer for America is the gospel and the blood of Jesus Christ. Friend, come on, somebody. And the antidote to sin in the regions of, the, of America and in the nations of the earth is a man anointed by God sent from heaven to proclaim the glorious gospel. All right. I'm sorry for hollering. Mark and Emily brought their children, and Roland hadn't heard me preach since he was a kid. He's going to go home and say, Daddy, that man's hollering. Listen to this. The length is to be 450 feet. It's width 75 feet and it's height 45 feet. Covered with a rod. But leave a gap of 18 inches at the top for ventilation. Construct a door on the side of the ark and design it with the lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to release a great flood that will destroy all life upon the earth. And every breathing thing under heaven will perish. Everything on earth will die. But as for you, I will establish my covenant of friendship. And you will escape destruction by coming into the ark. Look at this. You and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring with you into the ark a pair of every animal, male and female, and they will also be spared. Different kinds of birds, animals large and small, two of every kind I will send to you to be kept alive. Also take with you every kind of food, both for you and them. So Noah completed all the preparations and did everything exactly as God commanded him. Let's just stop reading right there for a moment. I want to talk about the man that found grace and the ark in which he built. There's no way I can preach all this this morning. I really got one message. It's just all in a bunch of, it's just long. So we'll get in as much as we can. But Father, let's just pray. God, open our eyes to see. Church, you in the greatest day you could ever be alive. And give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church in this hour right now in Jesus' name. I was listening to Dutch Sheets yesterday, and he was sharing a dream, and which was shared with him, a prophetic guy. And there were two of them in the dream. And they saw these two large tractors. And one of the guys was instructed to get in one tractor and the prophet was in the other tractor. And he got in the tractor and he kept saying, I can't do this. I don't know how to operate this tractor. I can't do this. And the prophet would holler back at him, you can do this. You can do this. He was handed a key to start the tractor and the key was not, it was like an old key, but it wasn't turned down like an F. It was curved like a J. And on the handle of the key, it had John 3.16. How many knows that's the key that makes it all work? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Come on, somebody. That whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but through him that the world may be saved. See, there is going to be some things happening on the earth that is not pleasant. But I'm promising your family a place of safety this morning is inside the ark. The Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Come on, somebody. If your family's in the ecclesia, you're in the safest place you could ever be. And the ecclesia needs to be on the front lines because that's the safest place she could be. It is when we live relaxed and lethargic that we get into trouble. It was at the time of war that the kings was at the war, but David was hanging back at the palace when he noticed Bathsheba. If the church is ever going to be a Davidic house, we got to overcome two things, the lion and the bear. The lion moves in pride, which is arrogance. Come on, somebody. And a bear sleeps half his life. Lethargicness, apathy. We got to awaken to what God is doing. So in this dream... He notices that the gears, but the gears, one gear has a number and the other gear has books of the Bible on it. And he tells the guy, I don't know how to drive the thing. And the guy, the prophet yelled out and told him, he said, put the first gear in the book of Acts and put the second gear in in number two. That'll get the tractor moving. Come on, y'all. They were all gathered in an upper room, Acts 2 verse 1. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting in cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. And they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Acts 2 will get the tractor moving. The power of God, the birth of the church, Pentecost. And so then the tractor started moving. Then he noticed the plow was on the back. These plows were let down. And as the plows were let down, the tractor began to moan and whatever. And the prophet hollered out and said, you must change gears. He said, put the first gear in in Ephesians and put the second gear in number four. Ephesians 4 where Paul received the mystery of the glorious church and gave us the fivefold giftings of Christ. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And as they begin to plow, they realized that they were plowing over the nation. And as they would begin to plow, it would hit some hard ground and different types of ground. But these geysers kept pulling up. Uh, and just, I mean, there were just wells opening all across the nation. I'm just telling you this, that this is the greatest day that you could be alive. You could have been born in the 40s and witnessed the voice of healing and all that that began out in Shreveport, Louisiana. You could, you could have been alive in any time, but God chose you to be on the earth right now and win a great time. All right. Y'all not going to make it easy for me, but that's okay. All right. So I, I, I've, I've just got my Passion Translation up here. I don't have the Old Testament with me. Um, but listen to this. I want to say this. In other words, Noah just didn't find grace. He found a whole new era. He found a whole new age is what he discovered. And God was about to establish a whole new age and era through this man that had found favor and grace with, with God. Are you with me now? Let me tell you this. We are come. We have come to the end of one age, but we are beginning another age. I'm not talking about the rapture of the church. I want to deal with that just for a moment. The word rapture never appears in Scripture. There is the snatching away that, the, uh, that Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, and the church has built up this huge doctrine. So most of the church is looking upward for his glorious return, and I believe this. Listen, in your holiness before the Lord, you should live like he's coming today. But in your building and planning and in your vision, you should build at least have a hundred year vision like he is never coming in your lifetime. 
Now let me just establish this. I do not believe that the Lord could come any moment. Religion told us that. There is nowhere in Scripture that Jesus appeared just haphazardly. There are seven feasts according to Leviticus chapter 23 that the seven feasts that were given in the Old Testament, the word feast means appointed time. Come on, Leviticus 23 talks about this. The seven feasts of God, we, the, there are four feasts in the springtime of the year which has already been fulfilled. Jesus showed up on Passover. Passover was introduced in Exodus chapter 12. You with me? We traveling fast this morning. Exodus chapter 12 is where God instituted Passover and it was Passover was the begin the beginning of the year. Passover is the foundation for everything in which God does because what happened at Passover? Passover is where they instituted the lentils. They put the blood on the doorpost of the house. It was the sacrifice of the lamb. Come on somebody. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the foundation for everything on the church. Everything was completed at the cross. That's why Jesus struck his hands out and said it is finished. Friend, let me tell you something. It is finished from heaven's standpoint of view. So Jesus dies on Passover. He resurrects on first fruits. Now he's not the only begotten son of God. Paul writes in Romans and said he is the firstborn among many brethren. He is the first fruits. Are you with me now? Lord, I should have got in there. I'm going to teach this. Miss Kayla's going to get me now. She knows the feast. She was schooling me out there at her house. That's why I got all this, see? <laughs> Larry, she's going to get me in. Uh, the feast of weeks, is that correct? Yeah. The feast of Passover, first fruit. Come on. Pentecost is the third one. There's a fourth feast in there in the spring. And it's in Leviticus 23. Read it. But Jesus sent, Pentecost means 50. Are you with me now? It's 50 days after Passover. In Acts chapter 2, it says, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, 50 days the Spirit shows up into the church. Now the three feasts that are in the fall is yet to be fulfilled. This is what we have just entered into the closing of the day, which began last what Sunday at sundown, right? Begin last, huh, last Sunday, right? Which is the feast of tabernacles. What precedes tabernacles is Rosh Hashanah, right? This is what, I'm just. Then what we move into after Rosh Hashanah is the days of all, which leads us into the Feast of Tabernacles where we're at right now. This closing, this is the closing of the Feast of Tabernacles. So let me just say this, that there is a lot that's, I'm just telling you, so I don't believe that the rapture of the church, if God did everything strategically according to his appointed time in Leviticus 23, this whole deal of the rapture mentality that's ate up the south where God's going to come snatch us out of here at any given moment, what it has done to the church, it has made the church not willing to plant and to build vision, but just simply wait on his return. Jesus never said that. He said, occupy till I come. And when I return, will I find faith on the earth? Are you with me now? Think about it. We wouldn't have the things built in this community if we believed that the Lord was coming to get us today, okay? So when the Lord returns, oh man, I don't, I'm, I'm off track right here, but I got to finish this up. Paul writes in the book of Thessalonians to the church of Thessalonica, he said, it shall come with what? The sound of the trump. What you have is Rosh Hashanah, then the Feast of Trumpets. Come on, somebody. This is, you get me now, with me? 
All right. So Noah found a whole new era. So we've come to the end of what we're calling the church age. How we do church and, and, and to the church age of just being a Sunday morning service or a Wednesday night service, and that's the compartment mentality we have of Christianity. That has come to a closing end. We are now moving into what Matthew 24 verse 14 says, that the gospel of the kingdom, listen to me. I don't know if I can. Right, let's look at this. Let me, let me just set this up. I'm trying to get, I, I got so much I want to say, but I'm, I'm trying to fit it all into a time frame. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 says this. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How many believe that that has happened right now? These are three verses I'm going to read you this morning that will precede the second coming of the return of the Lord. That the whole earth will be filled, not it didn't say filled with glory, but it said it will be filled with the knowledge of that glory. That means every person on the face of the earth will be awakened to what Yahweh is doing in the earth. Right now in America where we stand, 75% of people don't even believe that the Bible is the incarnate Word of God anymore. Come on, friend. I'm reading a book right now called U-Turn. It has absolutely blown me away of where we've gotten to in the church, where we've gotten to in America, what millennials believe and what Gen Zers believe. What happened is, mom and dad, we fell down on the job and did not train and instruct our children in the way that they should go. 90% of millennials when they when they went to college and even for more than that of Gen Zers will denounce their faith when they go to college because we took them to a church service without discipling them in the home laying the foundation of God in them are you with me now so the knowledge the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea here's number two Isaiah 60 is a powerful text one through three says, Arise and shine, for thy light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Who is the glory of God rising on? You. Come on, church. Y'all with me? We got just a little bit longer here. The glory of the Lord is rising upon you. Arise and shine, for thy light has come. Jesus, the light of the world has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Now, Look at this verse of scripture here. In Acts chapter 3, verse 21 says, In whom heaven must receive. Whom heaven must receive. Pull, pull this verse up here, Acts 3, 21. So the people know it's in the Bible because people sometimes, Matt has been with me before, folks got upset when I quote this verse of scripture. And I'm not telling them, tell you no joke either. I, I mean, I'm telling you, we, can we pull up Acts 3, 21? I know I just spun him on it. It says, whom heaven must receive, for he must remain in heaven. Look at you. What does it say? He must remain in heaven. See, the problem is, is the church, we look at the news in the afternoon, and we see how bad it is, and we think the Lord's fixing to return. How bad it is has nothing to do with when the return of the Lord is. The condition of the church determines the return of the Lord. Come on. I, Paul said he's coming for a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish in Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians. So whom heaven must, he must remain in heaven until what? The restoration of all things has taken place, fulfilling everything that God said long ago through his holy prophets. You understand? 
understand why Hebrews 11 talks about the harvest? Hebrews 11 is the is a harvest of every promise in the Word of God. It's spoken out of the mouth of every anointed man and woman of God on the earth. It's a great day to be alive. You would agree with that, church? All right. Man, I wish I'd be like Chris, just talk about it. So let, let me read this verse of Scripture to you. I'm just trying to wet your palate about the new age. Psalms 2. Look at this. We trying to get sparks saved, but let me, let me read the Bible right here to us. Oh, Lord, would you save sparks? Look at Psalms 2, verse 8. He said, ask me to give you the nations, and I will do it. So what should be the intercessor's role in this house? Ask for what? The nations. Come on, we've seen the nation come to the Lord in one day on September the 11th. Come on. You remember that Wednesday night after that happened on that? Huh? How many knows that we had an influx of people come to the house of the Lord? Because they thought the apocalypse was happening. But as soon as that little bit of fear wore off, come on, how many knows they went right back out? Because we can't catch people with fear. Because the kingdom doesn't operate with fear. It operates on love. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Look at this. Ask me to give you the nations and I will do it. And they will become your legacy and your domain will stretch to the ends of the earth. Man, does that not stretch your prayer life right there? It goes from sparks to asking of the nations. Let's look at this in Matthew 24. You okay? Let's read this in Matthew chapter 24. Noah found grace. God started dealing with this man to usher in a whole new era. And there are. this is what's happening right now in our nation. We're, we're being ushered into a whole new era. These works that have been going for a long time, and y'all, I believe this, that I, I believe with all my heart, I don't say this tongue-in-cheek, but I believe that we're fixing to see a, a time of fulfilled promise like we've never seen happen. I'm talking about the promises that have been contended for 30, 40, 20, 50 years that we're going to see, we're going to see happen overnight. We're in that season right now to happen. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now, in the month of October, it is going to be really bad before the election. You're going to see the earth rise up like never before because what's hanging in the balance is not a presidential election, but the nations of the earth are being weighed in the balance right now. I'm telling you right now. In, in tap oh, my God. The nations right now are weighing in the balance. All right, Matthew 24. Verse 1, as Jesus was leaving the temple courts, his disciples came to him and pointed out the, the, the beautiful aspects of the architecture, of the temple structures. And Jesus turned to them and said, take a good look at all these things. For I'm telling you, there will not be one stone left upon another that will be, it will be all leveled. Later they went and arrived at the Mount of Olives. His disciples came privately to where he was sitting and said, tell us, when will these things happen? And what supernatural signs should, take, should we expect to signal your coming? and the completion of this age. Jesus answered and said, a time, at that time deception will run rampant. So be aware that you are not fooled. For many will appear on the scene claiming my authority or saying about, saying about, about, about themselves. 
I'm God's anointed. They will lead many astray. You will hear of wars nearby, revolutions on every side, and with more rumors of wars to come. Look at this. Don't panic or give in to your fears. Listen, what we had to be careful is remember in Isaiah 6 where he saw the glory of the Lord filling the temple. He cried out and said, God, I am, I'm a man of unclean lips for I dwell in a people of unclean lips. We, You and I as Christians in this earth, as believers, kingdom carriers, we dwell in a people of unclean lips. When you sat down and watched the false prophets get on the news every night, we dwell in a people of unclean lips. We got to be careful the voice that we're listening to. I'm telling you, in the days ahead, we need to be listening to the voice of the Lord in the place of prayer. Come on, church. He said, don't panic or give in to your fears, for the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen. What is God going to do? He's going to break the systems of man in this earth. Why? Because Isaiah 2 verse 2 says that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established, what? Chief above the mountains of the earth. Y'all, I'm excited about this. I'm telling you. We got about five people that's excited. <laughs> Listen to this. Nations will, go against, nations will war, go to war against each other and kingdoms against kingdom. And there will be terrible earthquakes, seismic events of epic proportion, horrible epidemics, and famines in the place after place. This is how the first contractions and birth pains of the new what? Age will begin. What's happening right now? Birth pains. Getting us out of the church age. Because see, the church was all about inviting people. Can you just come to church? If you can just come to church, me, your life can be changed. Because we didn't have believers trained enough to be able to handle stuff on their job. So if they needed a devil cast out, they had to go take them to the church. Come on, somebody. So in the church age, if somebody needs healing, you got to go take them to the church and have the elders to lay hands upon them. Instead of taking them to the book of Mark, the 16th chapter, where it says, These signs shall follow them that believe. The signs, wonders, and miracles are not limited to the fivefold in Ephesians 4.11. They should follow believers. Are you a believer, friend? If you are a believer, then guess what? Your hands are no different than my hands. The same Christ is in me is the same Christ in you. And he shall quicken your mortal body, and you have the authority as believers to do the works of God. In the church age, we got church and we got leadership. And they are the big boys that hold the big guns inside the house. But in the kingdom age, it is a movement about the saints and not a movement about the leadership of the church. The church is there to serve the saints and empower the saints and release the saints into the work of ministry. My God, church, this is what's happening before us. The fence is coming down around the house of God. And the sheep is about to be empowered to go take a city, a nation, a schoolhouse. Come on, somebody. A nursing home, a hospital. This is what's happening. We got five people that's interceding prayer. God, let him calm down. I feel it. Let him calm down, Jesus. <laughs> These are birth pains. The birth pains are contracting, giving birth to a new age. What is it? Let's read further. You can expect to be persecuted, even killed, for you will be hated by all nations because of your love for me. 
Watch this play out in the month of October with the Supreme Court Justice Amy Barrett. Because not only, they said not only is she a Catholic, but she's a real tongue-talking Catholic. Which was prophesied in 2014 that there would be three Supreme Court Justices nominated. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a Jewish woman, dies on Rosh Hashanah. Come on. Amy Barrett is nominated as a Supreme Court Justice in the days of all. See, if you just listen to what, what the news is telling you, you're discouraged. You're praying against that. Oh, my gosh. This is why I know we got to uphill the battle decline. According to what this author wrote in the book U-Turn, 68% of evangelical Christians in this nation, 68% do not want to see Roe versus Wade overturned. Which meanwhile, every day, the 2,500 or 3,000 babies that are aborted in this nation, we continually pay homage to the Jezebel spirit. Because that's exactly how they paid homage to her. By the killing of children. But we want to come to church and... And we don't remember nothing is preached. We don't engage no Bible. There's, the average American has two Bibles in their household. And we are now in the most biblical, illiterate society that's ever been birthed and graced on the face of the earth. We talk to people and say, well, the good book says you should never let that come out your speech. You should know what the Bible says. Read it. Hosea said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because of our lack of understanding and because we don't read the Bible. Y'all okay? I'm going to calm down. I'm talking about whatever. I got to get a better job too. But notice this, what he says. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose heart once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. But keep your hope to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. Yet through it all, this joyful assurance of the realm of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the earth. This is what we're holding on to right now. Through all the shaking, through all the quaking, what's going to happen? God's kingdom realm is going to be, is going to be established. Hot. Let's go on. So the preaching of salvation, the gospel of salvation, which is what predominantly preached in the South, we got to shift to the gospel of the preaching of the kingdom, right? Because the kingdom preach it, the kingdom message is not just about getting man saved, but it is about the salvation of the earth. Now you realize that you're on the earth to make a difference. See, the gospel of salvation is about getting you saved so that you can attend church and go to Sunday school and get deeper in your Bible and wait on the rapture to come. Jesus never preached the gospel of salvation. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. He said, go tell them, repent. John, the forerunner, said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. With me? All right. So the gospel of the kingdom is salvation, but much more. It is sozo, the deliverance of the body, the deliverance of the soul, and freedom from torment, healing of our body, the forgiveness of sin, and deliverance from torment. All three. Let's look at this in Acts 3. You got I'm, I'm fixing to be bringing this to a close.
I got four more people just jumped on the intercessor team. So I got to, I'm going to hurry right here. Listen, I understand it, it's, it, it. We spit out a lot of stuff. One afternoon, Acts chapter 3, verse 1, one afternoon, Peter John went to the temple for the 3 o'clock prayer. As they came to the entrance to the gate called, called, as they came to the entrance called the beautiful gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money for, for who, who's, who's those going into worship. Look at this. This man is laying at the gate of the temple. Let's put it in today's language. The cripples laying out door, uh, front door of the church. People are attending church every weekend and week out, and they're giving him money to try to get him by to the next week, and nobody's done anything about it. Which sounds like where we're at today. The sick come to our churches, and we bury them. Peter and John, looking straight in his eyes, looking straight in the eyes of the crippled man, said, look at us. Expecting, to get, expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. Then Peter said, I don't have money, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. And as he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged into the crippled feet and ankles. The King James says this man was lame where? In his ankles. Oh my God, I'm about to go somewhere with this. The man was lame in his ankles. After he received the gift that Peter and John possessed, he raised him up. And the scripture says he leaped Dan shouted for joy and praised God. That was the what he was handed was salvation. All three things at one time. He came encounter with the kingdom. Now, when we move our bodies, ain't it five times? I'm pretty sure this is true. So, man, I thought you were studying Revelation when it's not here. So. Right. What's that book called, that thick book? The Aces. Ace Manual. Right? Thick book about exercise and all those different things. When you move your body, it is not your knees that absorbs the force of movement on your body. It's your ankles. And I'm almost positive when you move your body, your ankles absorb five times your body weight in force every time you move your body. When you run, that's why Danny told me, he says, stop that running, son. <laughs> <laughs> we got to replace your hips and your knees. Listen, huh? When you run, it increases. But on normal movement of the body, it absorbs five times of your body weight. So if you're like me, 164, <laughs> you with me? All right. You, so listen to this. He's lame in his ankles. So if he's lame in his ankles, he cannot walk, but he cannot handle the weight of the body. Which is where the church is. Where is he laying? At the gate of the temple. Ezekiel 47 says, out of the flow of the gate of the temple, there's water. But it says the first place the water was measured was ankle deep. What has kept the church from bearing any weight in this region is because we're standing in ankle-deep water. 
But I'm telling you, Yahweh's about to strengthen the ankles of the church in this region to help us wade out into waist-deep water and into chest-deep water. This is the gospel of the kingdom message. We're going to be able to tote the weight of his glory coming. Weight means kabod, the, the weighty presence of God. You can dance in the anointing, but you don't dance in the glory, friend. In the glory in the Chronicles 7, when Solomon dedicated the temple, no one was standing in that atmosphere. So the ankles that support the body, he's lame in his ankles, and the church is in ankle-deep water. And until we move on out into some deeper things, we're not going to see the healing of the body, deliverance of torment, and this. Now, we had a conversation last night when we were eating. We were talking about some things of the past. How did this person, how did this person go read God's generals? A lot of them, a lot of those in God's generals did not end well. Why was it? Because the emphasis just have a strong spirit. The emphasis is just on the, just have your spirit strong. Don't worry about your soul and don't worry about your body. Well, if you don't take care of your body, you ain't going to have nothing to house your spirit in. And if you don't take care of your soul, everybody in here has emotional needs. And if you don't take care of your emotional needs, you're going to be wrecked. I don't care how great you can speak in tongues, how well you can prophesy, and all these other things when your soul is jacked up and your soul is connected to how well your finances are doing too. Come on, somebody. You say, well, you just don't understand how bad I struggle financially. Well, look at your soul. How is your soul doing? Because the Bible says this, beloved, above all, I'm quoting the Bible to you, above all, I wish that you should prosper even as your soul prospers. So as your soul begins to prosper in your natural body. Come on, somebody. That will lead to financial prosperity and other areas of divine health in your life. We got to teach people to take care of themselves. Lord. I got to find a stopping place. Let me finish with this. So I talked about a new age. He was told to build an ark. I'm going to steal this language. Although I never heard him preach this, but I know he did a whole series on Noah. Damon talks about the ark as this, and he uses this word, apostolic revival culture. Now, I'm going to close, but I, I, there's something really on my heart. I, I feel like we gotta, I got to say this this morning. I got to deliver this because I've just been at this for a while. God told him to build an ark for your family. Even when it comes to our youth, how we, we, got a, we got a senior pastor at the church, we got a children's pastor, we got a youth pastor. I believe that you see a lot of that, just, just whatever. I believe that's an old model. I believe that the adults in this room that are mother and father should be pastoring a generation. You'd be slow to come on that one. But I had a dream in 2016 where I knew that there was going to be a contending for the kids. And I saw two older women around that table shepherding those kids. And Deanna Bats was in that dream, and Donna Edwards was in that dream. We've got to become mothers and fathers up in the house. Are you with me now? And I'm talking about our kids. Our little kids should not be up here watching Looney Tunes in a nursery, but should be involved in the worship services in this house. 
that was, Danny, was that the way? Was that, any old, let me go further than that. Any old timers up in this room, you was raised with bobby pins flying up in the church. You saw folks speaking in tongues. You wasn't tucked away in some little children's church watching Veggie Tales on the TV for entertainment. You knew what the presence of God was like. So what I'm telling you what's in my heart, like last night we had a house full of kids and all of our kids mingled together. Don't they cleave? Come on, we'd really be believing family. Our children hang out together. They're mingling in there. They hear us speaking in tongues. All of that should be happening in the house. When we separate, the, when we separate our children from what's going on in the house, this is why they're totally oblivious to the culture we want to create in them. We've got to begin to build the ark in our own house. Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? This is not about me creating an apostolic revival culture in this church. It's about what you're creating in your home. Grant, when he goes to bed, I say it's a really great story in John 8. You ought to read it. Well, I ask him what was in John chapter 8. So if he comes up with something, how many know I can call his hand on it? Hear me? Give our kids books. You know that Bill Johnson gives his grandchildren a book. He wants them to read. He says, if you'll read that book, you know what I'll give you? $500. All you got to do is come have a meal with me and talk to me about that book. But as they're reading it, in the Old Testament, they would take the, they would take the Torah and they would put honey on the Torah so that when the kids come by, they would swipe the Torah like that right there with their fingers and dip that honey in their, in, in their mouth. God was always trying to tell them, my words are sweet. Taste of me and see that I'm good, Psalms 34 and 8. I'm talking about raising the kids up in an apostolic revival culture. I'm talking about building an ark in your own house where you're not dependent on a youth pastor, but you become the pastor of your own children. You become to train and teach them in the way that they should go. That is not taking them to church. People, come on, somebody. That is looking in their eyes and seeing the gift of God that's on the inside of them and begins to shape that nature in them. If you've got a kid that's a dreamer, let me give you keys right now. They are prophetic. Begin to protect that. If you've got a teacher saying, well, that kid is just a daydreamer. He's always hanging out. Where he's hanging out is in the spirit realm. Begin to protect that gift on them. We got to get serious about the house in the days ahead. I'm trying to land this right here. But the culture is the characteristics and knowledge of a particular group of people. Encompassing language, religion, cuisine, and social habits, music, and arts. The word culture derives from a, a Latin word which means to tend the earth and grow or cultivate the earth. Those children that God has entrusted us with, it is our job to cultivate the garden of their heart. And I'll be, I'm just telling you, I, I'll confess my own sins. I ate two donuts yesterday, so, but anyhow, we went into hopes and I didn't have the strength. So I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get better. But sometimes I get in my truck and I'll notice that I, I used to always, and Matt knows this, I would, you would never get around me that worship wasn't playing. Never. And then, you know, after I listened to Aldine's song that I got, you know what I'm saying? So, I, and so then Asher, he jumped in the truck and said, Dad, turn that country on. 
I said, I said, son, let me tell you what that country does. Then I tell him, ain't nothing wrong with, with whatever type of music you like. But you better believe they pick up every lyric that you're pumping to in their ears in that vehicle. Let me tell you this. Our children would learn the gospel more by song than they will by reading. Just by hanging out in that. The power of music. The power of music. Cleve sent us a text the other morning. Which granted already told me this because he had done worked out with him. But one of the athletes on our football team. It's is 6.45 in the morning. Cleve walks in there and this music is blaring because this kid is in there working out. And all you can hear is Tasha Cobb singing, fill me up. And you could just feel the power of God. I just, I mean, just, I mean, off of that song and that kid's in there working out. I said, my God. God's done, let me tell you, that salt right there being placed on a football team. Come on, somebody. Y'all think I'm up in here just pumping out, listening to some gangster stuff. Come on, I'm, I'm charging my spiritual man just as much as I am my biceps and just as much as I am every part of my body. Come on, y'all. That gives me great hope because I have prayed for eight years for a revival in the school. And if God's planting somebody that loves Tasha Cobbs up in there, come on, somebody. How many members when Tua, whatever his last name, the quarterback for Alabama, I can't, Tua uh, Tagliloa, whatever his name is. Remember when he was thrown into the game in the national championship, beat us and whipped up on us? Remember that? They asked him at the end of the game, how did you keep concentration? He said, I prayed in tongues the whole time. Look at God, what he's doing, taking people out of the pulpit and planting them right there in the university. Come on, somebody. Y'all, we got great hope to be alive. So culture, listen to this. Mark, one thing that your children is going to learn, I preach for a long time. Are right, you with me? I'm fixing my brain too close. Culture is atmosphere, and atmosphere is culture. What is What determines your atmosphere determines your values. Values are the unseen pillars that are inside your home, inside your organization, inside your business, and inside the church. They're unseen, but they're pillars. And that's what determines the atmosphere in the room. And what the atmosphere determines is the culture. Culture determines atmosphere, and atmosphere determines culture. They're interchangeable. But how many knows this? If you got a greenhouse and you got the atmosphere controlled in there, you're not worried about what the elements are happening on the outside. Is that not correct? You can grow tomatoes year-round in a greenhouse. You can grow whatever you want in a greenhouse year-round because it is a controlled atmosphere. This is what this apostolic revival culture is, is, is to do. It is to, to sustain a culture long enough to create an atmosphere, and that atmosphere will breed transformation of people's lives. All you got to do is get them in the atmosphere. Oh, come on. I'm talking about the peace of God radiating so strong in our homes. Shalom, the peace of God. That we bring people in with broken marriage and they're just sitting in your house and all of a sudden repentance comes on that marriage and God restores that marriage. Why? Because of an atmosphere that you got set in that house and shalom is full of that house. Come on, somebody. And it's the God of shalom, peace, that will crush Satan underneath our feet. This is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about this being in the church. I'm talking about the arcs being in our houses. 
shall we We got to get, so what, what, what God told Noah, listen, he found a whole nother age. He found the age, the, the age of grace. He was establishing an era by building an ark that was going to preserve a family that was going to repopulate the earth. This is what I feel like God is, I mean, God is just tell, telling me, son, listen, I want you to keep establishing on that ark. You just keep building that ark in that region. You just keep building this culture in this region. Now, let me tell you this. You know how you can go to a church and the church can be teaching the same series, but there's a whole different feeling in that church. What makes the feeling different in that church is the values in which they've embraced because the values determine the atmosphere of the house. Are you with me now? The reason why it's free up in this house is because one of the values we hold esteem high above everything else is the presence of God. It'd be the first priority of this house. I don't care what the live stream looks like. We want it to sound good. I don't care about who's popular and who's not. I just care about if Yahweh's manifested presence is in this room. That is what we contend for. That is what we steward. That is what we keep. You with me now? So Mark, I tell you this. They drove from Ludowice, Georgia, which is a little bitty ride from here. By two and a half hours. And what he says is we cannot find the place that we fit. It's we've struggled finding that place that we fit. We've struggled finding that. And so it's like, like, man, you know, just what we had over, his exact words, what we had in Alma just is not there. Where's it at? What, what he's saying, listen, what he's saying is that culture in which we were established in that regional area, it is not where I live at. And what we are hungry for is that culture. So last night when we were sitting at the table, I said, what you got to realize, I told my Emily, I said, what is your DNA? If this, if this culture that we're doing is in your DNA, then God wants to establish the culture of that DNA right there where you're living. That it starts in your house. Come on, y'all. We learn how to cultivate this in our house. When we come in here, I won't have to holler and do no, we, we won't have to do no cheerleading and no pump-up parade. Come on, somebody. We won't have to get a pet rally out before we go out on the game. We're gonna be ready. So I think what we're gonna see is a lot of these arcs popping up. In all areas. Uh, y'all, y'all, we done got fatigued now. Let's go. We've, we've practiced long enough. We got to get off the field. Stand up with us right here and let's pray. God, I pray for the water to get beyond ankle deep. Is that not the heart cry right here? I come in here and preach two Sundays ago, really a prophetic message. And I, I, he won't mind me saying this if he does. Jeff sent me a long email the following week of dreams that he had. And his dreams were laid out when he had them. And, and if we took that message and we hit every one of those points... I'm telling you, what I saw in the dream, I can't, I can't, I'm telling you right now by the Spirit of God that if you're a business owner, you should position yourself to receive. Jess, am I telling them the truth? Do you believe what I'm saying is true? When I saw a, a American Airlines Airbus hit the street and turn into a county dump truck, 
God is about to move in unprecedented ways right in our midst. Now, I can tell you this. You remember when the famine was so severe that they was eating each other's children. How many knows you're in a bad you're in a bad famine when you agree to boil your child just to stay alive? But the prophet stood up and said this tomorrow about this time. It's gonna go for a half a shekel. Guy said, if God were to open up the windows of heaven, how shall this be? He said, you shall surely see it, but you shall not eat of it because you did not believe what God had said. So I'm telling you by the authority of heaven, from what I have seen and what that prophetic man back there has seen, that there's an Airbus full of resources about to be dumped in this region. So if you lack resources, you better get your hands up to receive and position your family to do it. I'm telling you, there's some things about to hit some arcs in this room and in some families in this room that will change for generations to come. Do you believe this in this room? I'm telling you, if you're discouraged, listen to me. If you if you watch the news more than you do, get in the word and in prayer, you are it is your own responsibility for your own discouragement. I can watch 10 minutes of news, and I am a news carnivore, but I can watch it and uh, and be ready to just go out there and shoot TV. Father, I thank you right now for empowering your people. Raise your hands up. I'm going to bless you right here in the name of the Lord God. Father, I bless the families in this room right now. I bless the arcs that's going to be established right now. I was in a house of a member. I'll tell you who it was, Larry. He said, I built my house. And he said, when I built my house, I built, my, I, built this, I built this room just for gathering people in my house to teach and train the gospel. I'm telling you, there about to be some arcs in this county right now in the name of Jesus being established in the home. Come on, somebody. We're going to establish our children in the gospel. We're going to establish them in the kingdom message. In the name of the Lord, I bless you this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, you are more than a conqueror in Christ. You are, you are a victor, not a victim in the name of the Lord God. You are the head and not the tail. You are an overcomer and not, and not defeated in the name of Jesus. You are filled with the Holy Ghost and power of God to make a difference. You are born like Esther for a time such as this. In the name of Jesus, we bless you in Jesus' name. Give God a great God bless you this morning. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Don't forget to tune in Wednesday night. We will be live streaming Wednesday night. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week. Amen.